This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt leads us through the topic of the priesthood of believers, where believers partake in the kingdom of Christ. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I am here again with Thad Keenolf with the Planted Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. Looking forward to getting back into this. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, we had a, got a couple of weeks break, and we're... Uh, continuing on with with this season, we're still uh, seeing <laughs> how, how how long we'll keep going. But what we've been doing in this season is talking about the Reformed faith, Reformed doctrines, and so forth. And uh, after we got through the the five points of Calvinism, uh, we last week uh, or the last <laughs> it wasn't last week last time yeah last time we did the five solas. Of, of the Reformation, uh, which really, again, this was this was something that we would say developed over time. That theologians and historians and stuff would say that as we had this widespread movement of the Reformation, there were five kind of theological truths that grew out of it and were consistent across the movement. And so, I just want to read here from this is a leadership training guide we have in the EPC and. It puts it in according to five questions. How would you answer these five questions? And so I thought it'd be just a good review uh, for the five solos, which, and really I think a great introduction into what we're going to be talking about this week. It's very related to these five solos. So the first question is, how are we saved? And the answer is sola fide, uh, by faith alone, not by church membership or sacrament. Uh, so again, it, as we talk about the Reformation, this is very much the, the Protestant Reformation is a protesting against the Church of Rome. So many of these things are set against doctrines that would have been in the, the Roman Catholic Church, right? Right. So how are we saved? By faith alone. How are we forgiven? It'd be sola gratia, uh, by grace alone, instead of through the church membership, penance, and abs- absolution of a priest, uh, and so that we'll, we'll get into a little bit, a little bit of that today, mm-hmm. as we talk about priests. Uh, then the next question is, what is the ultimate basis of authority for spiritual life? And that is sola scriptura, by scripture alone, above the traditions and teachings of any church or any person. Uh, and so we'll touch on that today, and in, in what we talk about too. Who is the mediator of the church? It'd be solus Christus. It's by Christ alone. So instead of two classes, priests, mediators on the one hand, and lay members, Protestants believe in one mediator, Jesus, in a single class, the priesthood of all believers. And that really is where we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about that in relation to authority in the spiritual life and, and forgiveness and all those things. It really does play itself out in a lot of these uh, areas, but primarily they're in the issue of, of the church being centered around Christ alone. Right? Sure, yeah. And then the last one is, what is the purpose of life in the church? It's soli de gloria, glory to God alone, not to any organization, leader, or ruler, which again, you can see in that language, even the, the, the polemic against you know, the, the institution of the church as something that is, is seeking its own glory, sure. which was the accusations that came in there. So I thought that'd be just a, a good kind of recap 
of, of the five solas, but also with that, we see in this um, that there's this, in each one, faith alone, not church membership. There's this tie back to this, you know, uh, allegiance to to the church maybe above Christ, or or obviously they wouldn't say above Christ, but there's there's just some uncomfortableness with the amount of authority that was being taken by the church at the time. Right. right? At the time, there were certain, certainly abuses that the Catholic Church even admitted to. Yes. So they understood that reform needed to take place, yes. but there were certain things that they didn't want, want to give up, right? Exactly. And so that's why there was the protest and... Yeah. And so... Um, so anyway, we thought it might be good in particular in this episode to focus on this, what's sometimes called the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, that Luther and Calvin and others of the time uh, talk about. And maybe they even used some different language at times regarding that, but it, it probably finds its roots in, in, in Luther and, and some of the things that he that he talked about initially and, and others picked up on. But you could even uh, argue that some of this, uh, especially as it relates to Sola Scriptura and protests against the Pope, we see there were predecessors really even to to Luther, people like John Wycliffe and, and Huss and others like that. So um, to kind of get, get us rolling here, I, I before we get to the, the mediator being Christ alone, um, which is kind of the crux of it. I, I do want to look a little bit at this idea of um, starting with the notion of forgiveness. And, and so um, we, I, you know, I grew up, I did, I, you had a, a, some Catholic origins before you went into the Wesleyan or the, the uh, Nazarene church and right. then here. And so you have some experience with this. I really never do other than just friends and conversations I've had with this. But the, the whole notion of needing to go to a priest uh, to have this me- the mediation of a priest to pronounce forgiveness uh, on you. So I mean, do you do you ever remember going to confession? Oh, I sure do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, the the first thing that I remember, well, you know, in the Catholic Church, there's some sacraments that are important. The first mm-hmm. one's baptism, which I don't remember because that's at infant stage. Right. But the first one that I took part in was actually partaking in First Communion. Yes. And, right. you know, I really appreciated that because um, I learned at a really young age, I was seven years old, that um, that I was a sinner and mm-hmm. I understood that, um, that Christ died for my sins and that I was partaking in in a remembrance act um, of partaking with the, with the Lord's Supper right. at that time. So I remember that, but I also remember the uh, the teaching that I was partaking in the actual body and blood of Christ, right? right? And I didn't understand what that meant at the time, but I was thinking, well, how is he being divided up into these little wafers? That's that's the thought that I had, which is, you know, it's, and it's kind of cute as a seven-year-old, right, but the sure. idea was is that I did understand that I was um, acting in uh, some type of fellowship with this body of believers, and so there was a neat aspect right, to that. Right. And then in um, 
the very next year, which was grade three for me, we did the, um, I guess it's the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I think that's what it's called, but it's where we do our first confession. We go mm-hmm. and have confession. So, because um, forgiveness comes with repentance, um, you know, to repent and to believe is a scriptural right. thing. And so um, we're okay with that. But the idea of going to confession was to go and, um, either in a very private with a screen between you and the priest. So he can't see who he's talking to, which some people like not to be seen or in an open thing. And since the priest was representative of Christ, I'm like, well, I may as well just go face to face with this guy, you know? And so I did. Uh And um, so I said, you know, I said, I said a couple naughty words, you know, I I talked back and uh, I pulled my sister's hair and I, you know, whatever the little circumstances was of of my sins um, at that time, then the priest would say, um, you know, I'm sure you're, that you're sorry for your sins. You're expressing penance, which is great. You know, now and go say these prayers and it would be, you know, the rosary or so many Our Fathers or Hail Marys or the mm-hmm. combination of it. And um, and the, the, the term would have been something of, of absolution. Okay. You know, where you are absolved, the priest recognized that you're truly penitent and... Right. And you're forgiven of your sins. And so you would go and you would try to earnestly pray. And then you would feel great for the next five minutes until you messed up. <laughs> I can clearly remember, you know, stepping forward in time to being 16, 17 years old um, and uh, going to a confession and leaving the church just feeling great that I was forgiven mm-hmm. and all of that and having somebody cut me off at the stop sign of the church parking lot and feeling like I had to turn around for cussing this guy out my brain, you know, <laughs> that I had to turn around and go back to confession again because I had just right. really, you know, yeah. taken the Lord's name in vain or whatever it was. Right. And it wasn't until I was in college where I understood that I could have, you know, fellowship. I, I did that through the Campus Crusades for Christ, which mm-hmm. was through Athletes in Action mm-hmm. at the time that I had the Roman Road road spoken. I mean, okay. I'm, I might be talking too much, but the idea was, yeah, I totally remember um, not feeling forgiven of sins unless I spoke to the priest. Right. Well, yeah, it's as you say that, as you describe the process, I, I'm listening. I'm like, well, there's something healthy about that to in one degree, right? That that you do confess and you forgiveness is pronounced, right? That we do. Because um, I even like when I do a pastoral prayer, on a Sunday morning, sometimes that I I will do I will you know encourage people to confess you know in silence or whatever, and then I'll read a scripture that talks about our forgiveness, right? Right. And so I'm like, and so in one sense, I I see the the healthiness and that the modeling of that, right? The unhealthiness is that that's the only place it could happen. Yeah. Right. Right. The fact that you felt the need to have to go right back in and do it and do it again, as opposed to just being able to do it yourself before the Lord. Exactly. Right. Well, there's several things that took place um, in just those three sacraments that I gave you that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God, and I left little hidden message—not messages, but mm-hmm. little hints of things that we don't agree with within that. Um, within those sacraments, right? And one of those, of course, when we're talking about the confession, right. is the to have a mediator, right? Yeah. You know? So it's it's good, and we're told to confess our sins one to another, um, but that's not for the absolution of sins. There's one mediator between God and man, the man right. Christ Jesus. Exactly. Right. And so, and and we see. I mean, there's there's plenty of places in Scripture, you know, to go to that. But one of the 
you know, most profound for me is the book of Hebrews, where Jesus is said to be, he is our great high priest. Mm -hmm. He is that mediator, right? We no longer offer, you know, the sacrifices before the temple anymore because of of Jesus. And and there's nothing standing between him and us. You know, there, there, there is no other uh, need. Now, it's not like we don't. Um, and we'll get to this when we talk about the priesthood of all believers. I think the one of the, the main function of the priesthood of believers is that we do for unbelievers, right? We we are to be priests of Jesus. We are to mediate the God, you know, Christ to them. We're to we're to share the gospel with them, right? You, yeah, you are using the the word um, mediate a lot, comparing yeah. it with priest and. Uh, had I not looked this up and you would ask me, you know, what is a priest? I yeah. would have said he's he's a mediator. Yeah. Um, but I looked it up, and the first definition of a priest is: Do you have do you know? Have you, did you happen to look that up at all? Did you, where, where did you where did you look? I it looked up? this up on my Bible program, and so okay. I was right. I, I was in there, and I, so I don't really okay. have the thing. But it says a priest, a sacrificer. Huh. Interesting. And if you think back, the Old Testament priests—that's what they did—is they sacrificed yeah. day and out, you know, day right. in, day out. And I don't get it at first that we are considered priests today, but then when you read the scriptures, it talks about a sacrifice of praise. Yeah, you know, so there, there's still um, an association with sacrificing there. But in the Old Testament, the sacrifice, the priest did stand as a mediator for um, the man, particularly the high priest, right? Right, in the Day of Atonement where he mediated between God and man with this national sacrifice of the atonement with the, with the goats. But in the Catholic church, the priest um, would still be associated with a form of actual sacrifice, a physical bloody sacrifice. What's well, a non-bloody sacrifice, but it's, it's an actual sacrifice of Christ that takes place during the Lord's Supper. Right. And so the, and that, that, that obviously became one of the big issues in, within the Reformation, too, is it was the, the nature of the Lord's Supper, right? And, and so and that's one of the, sac, the seven sacraments of the, of the, the, the Catholic Church, and it, but it's still a sacrament in, in the Protestant Church today. Right. The question is what's – and that could be a whole episode. We get, uh, we get well, ourselves on the nature of that. But the, the point is, is what you're saying is that within that, it's the priest – who says these? It's almost like in like a Christian incantation, right? That he when he says the proper prayers and everything, that that's when the um, the sacrament itself, in, in essence, becomes efficacious because it turns into the actual body and blood of Christ, right? And it's only the priest who can do that, right? It's called transubstantiation, yeah. and it's not that it changes into the actual physical body or, mm-hmm. or blood or, you know, in the, in the cup of wine doesn't turn into actual blood, right. but in essence it does. So the transubstantiation is something that, like you said, the high priest through his, through his prayer actually calls down Christ to perform a continual sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that goes against what we understand in the scriptures where Christ says it is finished. There is no more sacrifice for sins. Right. Right. And so this is a, this is a big turning point. And I would venture to guess, um, uh, in the conversations that I had with a few people, um, including one very close to me when we were talking about, they uh, were still practicing in the Catholic church. And I'm like, when you go to your communion, when you, when you go to communion at church and you get the, the bread and the, and the wine, 
Is it something that you think is symbolic that you're receiving or is it the actual body and blood of Christ? And, and I've had several people that are practicing Roman Catholic say it's, it's symbolic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you're right, but that's not what your church teaches. I mean, and I understood that at second right. grade. I don't know why I, I, that sticks out with me, but yeah. uh, you know, I think it was because I was having a hard time chewing on this piece of bread thinking I'm right. actually <laughs> got that piece, but that's a, that's a very interesting thing. And when, when Luther was inducted into the priesthood or whatever, his, the first time that he performed this act of you know, calling Christ down into, into the elements, uh-huh. he realized what such a big deal that it was that he couldn't get through it. He started trembling because he, who am I? He thought to call God down, hmm. you know, and uh, that was a big turning point in, in his world as well. Just the, yeah. the the realization of what he thought that was actually right. taking place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the um, in in this conversation, I think it's important to say that as we move forward, even though that there's not a significance to, you know, I mean, I'm ordained in the Presbyterian Evangelical Presbyterian Church, right? And and within that, you know, I um, I'm approved, you know, to you know do things like preach the word of God to administer in some sense the, what we call the means of grace, like the the preaching of of the word and the the administration of the sacraments and so forth. Mm-hmm. But but it's it, but there's but in that there's no it's not like I have it, it's more you think for the purpose of them just being done scripturally, you know, according to the rule of faith, than it is some kind of special, um, you know, ability to, to, to do something, right? Yeah, well, there's a hierarchy so, within, you know, the body of believers so that people can be more easily or readily held accountable right, to doing it right. correctly, to, to yeah. adhere to the scriptures. And if you don't have a formality to that, it's right. going to be, you know— anarchy basically yeah. or it could be right so yeah. yeah so all to say is that with a lot of of what were what these five solas and then this the doctrine of the priesthood of, of believers and so forth is to is was really to not there was a kind of a i think on behalf of the reformers a sense that there was this class system within the church mm. that the priest was in some sense holier than the lay people uh, closer to God and able to do these things, and, and 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 their conviction from Scripture was no, it shouldn't be that way. That we are all, if we are united to Christ, then there's not an extra special union of Christ um, for the for the priest or then or the bishop or the cardinal or the pope. You know that that should be any different than than anyone else. Yeah, there's a a very um, big uh, memory for me of understanding that uh, the priest not only was a representative for Christ, but as, as vicar, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, was kind of in place of Christ. And for sure, when you get to the Pope as the vicar of Christ, this is kind of a a no, no, but with each level, as you move up from, you know, a more regional Bishop compared to the priest, there was an extra attitude or thought process of holiness associated Um, which is biblically incorrect. You right. know, we, they're, they're just men, right? And so this is a, uh, and it's not that you don't have respect for, you know, elders in the church and stuff like that, but the idea of holiness, it can really lead to right. a problem because you can start worshiping 
the person. Right. And then you start addressing them with, with the, the titles and things like even like, I know that like watching on TV, whether it's correct or not, but you know, a lot of times that they would come before a cardinal and they would say your grace, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like, almost like they, you, sometimes the, you know, you do with Kings and Queens who are, you know, in that sense, seen, you know, in that way. So it's just, it's interesting to think in that, in, in essence, the, the reformers saw this as inappropriate and improper. And, and one, and it, it wasn't just that too much was being placed on them, but it was also not enough responsibility then was being placed on the individual believer, right? That, that they were in, in some sense, not, not seen to be equipped to do what Christ calls us all to do. Right. Sure. Um, and so I think that's really where the uh, it comes down to uh, our ecclesiology as well, which is our theology of the church, mm-hmm. and what is the 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 function of of the people within the church. And so, if there is this an elite class of of leaders who who are the ones that can do these things, then you know, I don't need to do you know. So much potentially, you know, to help with the the kingdom of God or whatever, right? right? It's like if you really want to serve the Lord, then it's like, well, then I need to become a priest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Uh, and so, and I think it's one of the things, you know, here at this church, uh, I I still think that it there's still some of that mentality that can that can seem to happen that even with with our pastors or and elders or, or things that that people can say, well, well, that's something the pastor. You know, only the pastor can do that, mm. uh, and and really, you know that that really isn't necessarily to be the case. Right. That, you know that we're all to be sharing the good news of Jesus with others. We can all help uh, one another. We can, we can, we, you know, we can teach and admonish and, and correct one another with the scriptures, you know, and, and so forth. And so that became a bit one of the big keys too. With this was the. Um, Getting the scriptures, so one of the the impetus too with this doctrine became getting the scriptures to the people in their language, mm. you know. And so the whole movement of um, Bible translation and the printing press and things like that, and, and, and not having it just printed in Latin, uh, but actually getting it in German and English and and French and Spanish and you know and, and wherever whatever else became. Um, was associated with this movement to want to get it, get the word of God into the hands of the people. Yeah, absolutely. And the the Catholic Church at the time had a legitimate argument that they were concerned with, and that is if you if you put the um, the language or the the scriptures in the common folks' hand, there's going to be a lot of errors made, right? You know, and so there is some legit legitimate argument to that, but the idea of letting the people read it in their own language was also to hold the church, you know, accountable to preaching it correctly. And that's why the sola scriptura, the scripture alone is such a big thing because there, there was traditions sneaking in that were contrary to the scripture. And so this is a a very big thing for us. So yeah, we, we uh, have to be careful how we handle the word of God and we're, we can make mistakes, but the idea is, you know, through the, the larger corporate body, we try to be refined in doing that and, right. let the, and let the Holy Spirit work it out. Yeah, and it, it's interesting how even different church traditions 
have held to that differently? And it, and it, how much risk are you willing to take with that to some degree can also determine how much the church can expand. I was just recently doing some reading some church history of the Presbyterian Church in the United States. And Presbyterian Church, you know, there's a fairly high standard of ordination. If you have to take exams and you can be interviewed and you have to basically go to seminary and, and get your degree and then go through all this kind of, you know, uh, get be tested and approved. Sure. Um, but and, and so in the early part of the United Development United States, some of the very first seminaries that were started, like Princeton and Union and others, were Presbyterian. And uh, but in order to as the the country grew, to order to establish church there, you need they needed an ordained pastor to go and serve there, where some of the Bap, the some of the Baptist and Methodist churches of the day didn't we're, we're sending out lay people sometimes to go to, and they were ordaining them without necessarily the same level of testing and education. I'm not mm. saying it's good, but the point is, is that they grew faster. Yeah. <laughs> they grew faster because they they didn't have, you know, the same, um, maybe the, they didn't hold to a, the same standard or something like that. I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying it was a different approach. And as a result, it, there was faster growth. Right. You know, it, from from that standpoint, but within that, sometimes maybe there was more, um, you know, opportunity for maybe not as uh, high a level as biblical teaching. Yeah, you know? it can, it can, so it's, it can, it's easy for for liberalism to to, to sneak in, you know. And yeah. So and that's and that's true in the in the Baptist um, group. When you look at Baptists, they're they're independently mm-hmm. operated, you know, and so there can be just to say that your Baptist is to, to hear that doesn't necessarily mean one thing over the right. other. Presbyterian kind of holds a little closer, it, it does. even though there's sex in it. But, you know, yeah. going back to the to the priest, I was trying to figure out, you know, um, I remember when Moses is called by God and and they set up Aaron and the, and the Levitical priesthood and stuff like that. Right. So I was thinking that was basically when the first priest was kind of announced. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it in Genesis, we find this guy named Melchizedek. Well, yeah, he was a priest of God, you know, and later in Hebrews, it, it sees him as a type of Christ, right? Because he had no, they didn't know, it didn't say where he came from. <laughs> it doesn't say where, you know, where he went after that, you know, kind of no beginning and end in, in essence to and him. And he held the office both as priest and king, which yes. is very unusual. Yeah, yeah, right. The king, the priest and king of Salem, uh, which most scholars would say was the predecessor of Jerusalem. Correct. Uh, and so... So yeah, it, there is that. But it, another thing that's interesting about Israel is not only did, was there a class within and a, a tribe within Israel that were the Levites, but when God entered into this covenant with them, He called them a kingdom of priests. That's exactly right. You know, and so the whole people were to be were to serve a priestly function. And the nation was to be a priestly nation to the other nations. Right. Right. And so when um, uh, Peter picks up on this in the in the New Testament, from which we really, you know, obviously, if if you're if you're if your authority and base of this is scripture, well, where in scripture does it say that we're all priests? Yeah, well, well, before you go to Peter, let me read okay. that account in Exodus because okay. I think it's I think it's relevant and it'll, yeah. it'll help set it up because it's dealing. Um, not only with the priesthood, but it's dealing with the people of Israel in, exactly. in, in whole here, right? And, mm-hmm. and so in Exodus chapter 19, and I'm not, I'm not going to start in verse 1, which um, 
um, is a little bit of a preemptive thing to this, but it says, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, which is Israel, Mm -hmm. and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I have done to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is God speaking to them, how he brought them out of Egypt. Then he says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Right. So um, two things. One is Israel is supposed to be this kingdom of priests, right? Yes. But it's not just for Israel by itself. It's for all the world that that God owns. Right. Exactly. And so and so within this kingdom of priests there was still a priestly order, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah, but but everyone has seen that. And and so there so there's in one sense even in the New Testament church, there's nothing wrong with having offices, you know, having pastors and deacons and elders and so forth. But the doctrine of the the priesthood believers say but 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 we should all view ourselves Back in that same function, right of of a kingdom that that, that represents right, and Yahweh, this is the other thing that has Christ. Sorry, right? I didn't interrupt. Oh. Um, but the other thing with being a people of God or being a, being a priesthood, um, there's a consecration that's part of the deal, and consecration is things that are set apart for a purpose. Yes, right. So the priesthood, in particular, was set apart for a purpose, and then when we move forward, um, what is the purpose? of us who are in the church and we are called the same kingdom of priests, right? Yes. What, what is that purpose? It's consecrated. When you have uh, allied yourself with God and have allegiance to the Lord, um, you can't just sit back and do nothing. Right. Right. You can't just put your Bible on the shelf and just say, well, I'm in the, I'm in the kingdom now. There we go. No, there's, you're, you're called for, Something you you make a point of this all the time. Exactly. Yeah. It, I mean, even it goes even back to our conversation about election. Sure. Right. When God elects us, he what he's bestowing upon us is a status, and that status comes with responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And mission. And so election always has a purpose. It's and it's not it's not to whisk me up to heaven so that I, you know when I die so that I can play a harp and, and you know. And, and sing to the Lord, um, which is a lot of people's vision of, of what the ultimate end is. No, it's the, the ultimate end is that heaven's going to come to earth. We're all going to be living in a, in a corporeal or physical reality that is, that is completely given over to the spirit, to, the, to our spiritual reality, where there's this over, and we live this life in service to God, where we work and keep the garden, you know, of the new Jerusalem, of the new creation for all eternity. Right, and, and and which is all worship language. All of life is to be worship, and so and so we in in that sense serve as priests at the temple. Uh, that's what we're going to be doing in the New Jerusalem. Except the temple's going to be everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> right, because right. God is dwelling with us everywhere. You know, and so seeing seeing that so in that sense seeing that priesthood. As as you talked about that offering sacrifices to God, it's that constant service to God 
that we and, and even now we are to embody that even right, now right. as we look forward to that full day. And that's what I think Peter is doing, right, in First Peter chapter two, as he talks about this. And so starting in verse four, he says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. <laughs> Back to the chosen, right? Mm-hmm. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mediator. We do it through him. Right. And we're offering those sacrifices. And then we would say that sacrifice is how we live out our bodily life in everything we do. It should be a life of sacrifice to God. And then I'll jump down to verse 9 where he says, but you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, as opposed to those who stumble against Christ. So before he's talking about those who stumble over Christ being the only mediator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Gosh, that, that language is taken straight out of Exodus, isn't it? It is. He's, he's, yeah. he's definitely using that. Yeah, so, so a chosen race, that, think, of that, think of our conversation about election, and and predestination and all this is God's plan from the very beginning and he's cho- and he's doing this that we are a royal priesthood a holy nation a people from possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of he who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light mm. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy now you have received mercy that's all of us that, and there's not a special class within that. That's everyone, right? And everyone has the job of proclamation, right? It, to it, proclaim the excellencies of him who called us right. from darkness Man, to light. Man, there's so – I mean, besides the part that he's pulling from Exodus here um, and actually quoting a chosen yeah. race, a royal priesthood, um, that you may proclaim his excellencies, that's – that's to proclaim to the nations, right? So yes. that's all. That's all Israel to to the world, right? But it's interesting here, um, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's lumping that in the excellencies of him. That's Christ who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. They were called out of Egypt. Well, who yeah. who who the excellencies of Christ out of Egypt to go serve the one true God, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Christ. Right. I just kind of funny how that um, intertwines. And I yeah. think this is one of those uh, times where we have another shadow of Christ in the old Testament, you know? Yeah. And, and how is darkness represented, you know, in the old, think about the old Testament that, that it, it is this false worship that being under the dominion and oppression of these false gods who are, who are leading people obviously away from Yahweh, but also are these capricious gods who can just, oh, I might bless you, I might not, or I can do this to you, I might not, right. you know? And so there's just, the, the point is, is that many of these nations and the people that lived in constant fear mm. of, of these gods where, where with, with God is saying, no, I've chosen you, you're my people, you know, you don't, now, there's, there's this reverence and awe of me. There's the fear of the Lord, right? But there's also assurance that comes with that based on God's his goodness, his grace, his, his electing um, sovereign choice in what he's done to bring them into the light. Right. Right. And so, and that light is then represented by his covenant word, by his law that, that shows them the, the light and the path and how to live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. That, that yeah. he graciously gives to them. 
um, which again relates to the sola scriptura. <laughs> that's, that's right. It is. Yeah. And you know, also here, um, it says that you were not God's people, but you are not, you are now God's people once had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. There's a couple things that are going on here. Once we didn't belong to God, right? And the scripture says that before we belonged right. to God, we were children of Satan, yeah. right? Because of our sin. And, but now we are God's people. Now we belong to God because why? Because we received mercy. We have received his mercy, his grace, his right. justification. We have been forgiven. Yes. Right. And so for an authority, an acting authority to, to say, no, I hold the right to forgive you. Yeah. Is taking authority over and above what Christ has already accomplished. Right. Right. And and that, and and that, that I think they would obviously say, well, we're doing it through Christ, right? But 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 you're doing it. You're having to do it through. Um, it's almost like you can still take it away, or they're, they're, like there's this constant mediation that is is always having to be done, right? Right. Instead of instead of seeing that you know, Christ has finished that, you know, yeah, that, right. that, that that is there too. Sure. So so yeah. Um, I also want I, I also want to go to uh, some other a couple other scriptures and this from the book of Revelation to talk about this same language of priesthood is used in Revelation as well as as we're talking about the the you know eternal people of God that this is the this is the viewpoint this is the language being being used. Um, and so uh, we see it. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. You might well, have to edit well, this. Well, in first in Revelation chapter one is the first place they bring it up in verses five and six. Five and six. That's what. It, yeah. So so here it is uh, in in verses five and six. John is is giving his greeting to the seven churches. So Revelation it, it, it's it's an it's an apocalyptic book. It's used apocalyptic language. This unveiling, this revealing language of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's also a, and it's prophetic, um, but it's also a letter. And so he's writing this letter to the churches, mm -hmm. and he says, "Grace to you and peace to you who is who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth." So Jesus, being the center of this, he says, "To him who has freed us from our sins by his blood." We just talked about that—that that we've received mercy, right? right. And made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. So he's acknowledging, as he's writing to these churches in this day, he's calling these churches priests, right? The, 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 the people of these churches and, and the one writing and, and those on behalf he's writing. He said he's made us all, we're all a kingdom, priests. To his God and Father. Right. Now, sometimes, um, I think maybe in the King James Version, I'm looking at the ESV now with you, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's, um, sometimes they'll state, made us kings and priests, not a okay. kingdom. So, okay. Um, but the language um, really is to match up with the Old Testament language, so more correctly, a kingdom of right. priests. So right. um, don't get too full of yourself that you're a king. <laughs> <laughs> or I, right? It's a kingdom of priests. The kingdom is Christ. He's he's the one that sits yeah. on the throne, and we are priests right. offering that. Right. And, and, I, and we can say in some senses we are, um, you know, to be 
you know, vassal kings of the of there the you Susan, go, yeah, you know, yeah. in that sense that, that we that we he is still he wants us to still have some level of dominion in in we are to rule and and bring you know all things under the subjugation of Christ, right? And we we serve in that role as yeah, kings. Yeah, absolutely. And priests, well, right? in a sense, the church is the body of Christ here on earth. Exactly. So we are. We we are king corporately, you know, and individually right. as as the temples of God as well. Right, and so those offices that Christ holds as prophet, priest, and king, the church then functions out of mm. out of that union with Christ. That we have those offices of prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. That we that we then uh, emulate, you know, um, or work in, in Christ, and so. Um, so a couple other places that this is is used, or one other place in is uh, in Revelation is chapter 5, uh, that this language is, is used again. And so here we have a throne room scene uh, as this unveiling has been has taken place for John. He's taken and he's able to see the spiritual um, reality of, of things that it says, uh, I'll start in verse 6, between the throne of the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though slain with seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And we'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four, 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Mm. Okay, so so the question before the throne was: who, There's this scroll and the seals um, in the throne in heaven. You know, back from up into um, chapter four, who can open it? Who's worthy to do it? Right? Well, well, the Lamb is worthy to do it. Jesus, the Messiah, is the one worthy to do it. And he's doing it, um, and in ransoming the pe- a people, you know, from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And then in verse ten, it says, "And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth." Mm-hmm. Okay. And so here, here, this is uh, this in, in before the throne in heaven. This is the label. This is the name given to the right. people of God that right. Jesus has ransomed, that He has purchased for them. This and and they're from every now. They're from every tribe and tongue and language. The, all the people of, of God and and they um, and He is has made them this. This is the status. This is the reality. This is the the um, the privilege given. Uh, that that is there, and it, it says, and they shall reign on the earth. Yeah, so so there is a sense of reigning. Yes, right. So yeah, but we reign as priests, you know, in the kingdom. It's right, a, it's a, it's and, it, and it's done. And and you're like, well, gosh, it, it it sure doesn't seem that way. How how are you know? I look around. It looks like um, you know the U.S. Senate is reigning here in the United States, and 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 the president and the. Supreme Court justices, and you know, in, in other nations, it's, it looks like they're reigning here, or it looks like you know, this corporation is reigning over. You know, where, 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 if if we're reigning, on what's that look like? How how is this how is this taking place? Yeah, it's because it's 
um, first and foremost, um, a spiritual kingdom. Jesus Christ before Herod says, my kingdom is not of this world, right? right? And the kingdom, there's an aspect of the church that we say is the invisible church, right? That's yeah. those are true believers, the corporate church, visible and invisible. And that's, that's the entirety of the church. So it does have a visible sense here on earth, but the gospel message always goes forth in victory, right? The gates of hell cannot stand against right. that. The gates of the grave, really the right. gates of Hades. Um, um, and Jesus in coming up in chapter six of revelation, I think is going to be the, when the first seal is broken, it speaks of the rider on the white horse. Now, many people would point that to the Antichrist. I actually believe it's Jesus Christ on the white horse. For what reason? Because he goes forth conquering and to conquer. And this is what the gospel message does. It goes forth. The gates right. of hell cannot stand against it, and the message conquers. And we see um, that he has made us a nation. So we, we're already victorious in this moment, which we believe takes place at the inauguration of Jesus Christ, you know, in, uh, yeah, in and, his first advent. Right. And so while we don't sink the thrones of the nations, we do establish a people, a real people that are ruling spiritually on earth, right? That, that And that are serving as priests to the nations, you know? And so, so we, there is a real... Um, body of people, a real citizenship of people. Now, our citizenship is in heaven, right. but we do exist here on earth. Well, let me give you a and quick example. And we gather together and assemble together to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let, let me give you a quick example. As I was reading in um, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs magazine today, China. Yeah. The, the church is growing like yes. crazy. So we see the victory in this kingdom of priests is now yeah. in the changed lives because of the mercy of God. Right. Exactly. And, and so that's, and that's where I would say that's where this um, reigning on earth is taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when the people are, you know, when, when people within our church gather for their small group Bible study, <laughs> you know, they are uh, practicing that reign. Uh, to a certain degree, yeah. as and 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 serving as priests to one another, you know, it's it's interesting that in one sense, you know, when we when we talk about you don't have to go to a priest, you can just go directly to God. But there's some you know for confession and 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 forgiveness and and all those things. But it's still, but the notion of the priesthood, I believe, isn't just isn't to promote individualism. It's actually to help promote the body of Christ and that we are all in this together and we are functioning as a community and a nation together mm. within the nations. Right. Right. And, yeah. and so on the one hand, it does affirm a certain level of that personal individual ability to approach God, but it, it but in no way is it, is it a doctrine that says all I need is me, Jesus and my Bible. Right. That, that it is, there is this corporate reality as we've read these passages, you know, that it's a communal thing. You know, it's not an individual thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly that's exactly right. And you know, our Western minds, uh, because of the the liberties we've we've had here in the United States, where there was more churches in our nation for a long period of time that were, were growing. You were just talking about that earlier in the mm-hmm. podcast. Um, but 
what happens to us when we get comfortable, hmm. right? We grow complacent and we see that the churches are turning away from the word of God. And we've seen the collapse of the church in, in the UK, for example, and other places where um, secularism is, is, is just growing. And I, I expect that we will be soon seeing evangelists coming over from the Conga and from China to oh, come yeah. over and witness to us right. because, because the nation needs it right now. Right. Yeah. And so, but, but the idea is to show that the kingdom of God is, is alive right. and well. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I've, I've met people uh, from Korea who, who are evangelists who are coming as missionaries from Korea to the United States because <laughs> because we need it. oh we do we do <laughs> you know and so yeah yeah it, it, it's it's it, it so but but I think that what we're trying to promote and, and say here is that in Ephesians you know it talks about the different offices or or parts of the church that there's you know the apostles pastors teachers is to equip the body for the work of the ministry. You know, and that's one of the is that we all do the work of the ministry, and I think that that's the the thing we have to continue to encourage you to do. So if if you're part of our church here in, in Brighton at, at Cornerstone, we get involved in ministry, Under, understand the the gifts and the passions and the talents that God's given you, mm. and and plug in yeah. and serve because that's. That's exercising your royal right <laughs> in Christ uh, to do that, and and we need you. And when you're not functioning in that way, it makes it makes the body weaker. Right. Uh, you know how Jesus Christ described the kingdom. If you want to join the kingdom, do you know what his how he recruited people? If come you want follow to, me. If you want to follow me, take up your cross <laughs> daily and follow me. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's that's basically saying I'm signing up for a death sentence or. Or the mm-hmm. possibility of it, right? Yeah. And in the early church and these these other nations that are going through persecution, that's what it is. And it is the success is not because we're happy, wealthy, and wise, but because Christ shed His blood for us, right? Right. And if this, if you if you're listening from somewhere else and you're in, you know you have your church somewhere, be involved, serve there, yeah, right. Uh, get, get involved and and to help pro- be that priest to the nations. Uh, the, the lost, those who, there are still many people in darkness that God is calling into the light. And, and so we need to be a part of that, um, uh, the ministry of sharing the gospel, because there are some, what are the, what are in essence, the marks of the church today that came out of the Reformation, you know, so where they're not necessarily marked by these seven sacraments that, 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 this, pre, that this special class called the priesthood could do, uh, what kind of what became the the the, the marks of of the, the Protestant Church? Really, they it it came down to just um, three things that that a lot of the reformers called to do that, that I think flow a little bit out of this the the, the priesthood of believers is that is that the church should be preaching the word. So one of the marks of the church is just to preach the word, and that goes back to what you're saying in the conquering church that that because of the binding of Satan and that he can no longer deceive the nations, that, that we can go forward, and the, the church are the people who go out and we preach the word. Mm-hmm. And so so that is one thing. And then the other, another mark of the church is that we are to administer, we are to administer the sacraments, um, and it's not, but we all participate in this, and and. 
and there just became two really in the Protestant church, that of baptism. And, and so that is where we um, identify with Christ and we, we, we sign up and, and pledge our loyalty and allegiance through baptism right. to Jesus. And the reason that we have just the two is those are the two in the scriptures that Christ himself ordains. Ordains, yeah. it ordains right? Um, and then and 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 participated in himself, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the second is the Lord's Supper, uh, that that uh, where and, and again, there's not this special mediation or the special, but it, it is um, the the uh, something in, that we do collectively together as well of, of, as we preach the gospel through through these signs and symbols, basically of of baptism and. And the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, kind of the the reformed view. We, we won't spend a whole lot of time with it, but the reformed view of the Lord's Supper is that there is a real spiritual presence that is there of of Christ. That that there it 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 is. We would say that it is a little bit more than just a remembrance. That we are remembering. It is a time to remember, but it is actually a means of grace that we that we do. Um, Experience spiritual growth, and 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 um, it it does help feed our faith in that sense that we that we do that that the the, the presence of of Christ is there um, spiritually, not necessarily. Well, because we are the tabernacle the, of Christ, yeah, right? So exactly. we, yeah, as 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 residents of yeah. of Christ, and then in the corporate sense, right. coming together yeah. and and sharing in the remembrance of what He has done to come to right. accomplish. Right. So we have the Word. The sacraments, and then the third one that the 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 reformers were kind of in agreement with was, was that of discipline. The the church, there is a place within the church to um, to discipline people who are uh, falling away from the faith, who are denying Christ, or who are um, in unrepentant sin. Right that that we that we are to continually call people back to the faith because the. The, the purpose of discipline ultimately is restoration. Absolutely. You know, and so that that's why the the community of the church is too, is we are to be concerned for the purity of the church. It doesn't mean that we're all um, without sin by any right. means, but it does mean that we we hold we hold to Christ's likeness. We hold to growing in that sanctification. And so if people are not pursuing that uh, and and are not submitting themselves to the scriptures uh, for correction and rebuke and admonishment. Right. Then uh, then we can withhold fellowship with them. Right. And and the sacraments and so forth as yeah. as a means to restore them. Right. I believe that's all. Um, a lot of that discipline um, instruction is in Matthew eighteen. Yeah. I believe, and so it talks about how you to address things with your brother, and right. it's a process. You, it's not like you oh you've messed up, you're not repenting, you're out of here. It's no. like you you go with one and you confront him. Otherwise, and if that if he's not repentant, then you take a couple others. Um, exactly. And then you know eventually you get to the point where you have to put them out of the church. And even the putting them out of the church is not to say that you're sending them to hell. No. It's to say you 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 can't fellowship when you're living in that lifestyle. Right. Right. Repent. And, and we'll, come back. And come back. And the, the whole purpose of that is that they feel lonely and and in need, and that I miss it. And I I I wake them up. You know, it's why do you put your kid in timeout? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. it's it's so so yeah. Matthew eighteen verses fifteen to seventeen. Also, First Corinthians five verses one to five, and First Timothy five nineteen to twenty. Those would all be 
scriptures that support that that church discipline yeah. uh, idea. And so I, I just bring that up because um, I don't want the priesthood of believers doctrine to sound like, oh, you know, it doesn't mean that there, you know, this whole idea of the visible church and, and the, that there isn't some need for some kind of institutional or organizational or or leadership that that's there. No, it, it is there in, in place that God ordains those things, but it's not, uh, you know, in our in our church here in Cornerstone, Pastor Winans is the lead pastor. He, you know, he he moderates our session. He is, you know, he is. It, Sits in that office of that kind of the head of 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 those things, but he's but it's always in submission to Christ, right? And our whole session sits. It, it, the session is just the seating. We we sit and rule, you know, help rule within the church. But it's all. But our job is to um, is always to discern the mind of Christ. Because he alone is is the is the ultimate mediator. He is the one in whom gets all glory. That who we look for. Mm. But 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 we would say that as our lead pastor, who 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 moderates our session, he's no more important or has no more status before God than the um, than the newly baptized person in the church. Right? right. They have the same status within that it, because. Um, because of this doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, where everything is mediated through Christ, right. and we're all uh, in that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I just said that. Were you gonna? There was one more point or uh, place in the Book of Revelation where it mentions being priest. Did you have that one? And, uh, no, go go ahead. In go Revelation twenty, um, which is a, a really neat chapter, uh, but it says that blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Mm-hmm. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, there's obviously a couple ways to interpret all of that, but the the way that I think you and I both agree on is that resurrection means being dead and then being brought to life. And if we look at that and the idea of spiritual rebirth, that's a that can stand for our first resurrection. So we have been resurrected with Christ spiritually already. Right. Right. And so the second death has no power. That that actually fits that whole thing. We don't we don't die a second time because we've been raised with Christ. Right. So there's no more spiritual death and they will be priests. And we know that we're priests now because it just said we're a kingdom of priests. Right. So that all fits into that. We're, we're a priest of God and of Christ. And then it says we'll reign with him for a thousand years. And this is why we would agree that that thousand years is a symbolic period of time of the kingdom of God that we said began with the inauguration of the kingdom when in Christ's first advent. Yes. Right. And now we are that kingdom of priests right. here as we experience that. So that's a, if you, uh, look at it just in that verse there, it might help you wrestle through the rest of that chapter. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I would say, uh, it, I think it's important to know that that resurrection language that you're talking about, as it relates, we would say as it relates to our being born again, the language of John chapter 3, 
right, of that rebirth, of that new creation that Paul talks about. But he, but he actually uses that resurrection-type language Paul does in Ephesians and Colossians about talking about us being raised with Christ, mm-hmm. right, and then see, and then and seated with him, which, again, that relates back to what I was just talking about in terms of our session. That, 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 that's where we get that word session. And so that, that resurrection language um, is that language that fits with this, that fits with uh, language we use, our Christianese, of, which comes from the Bible of being born again, right? Of the new creation, the new birth, right. the new man that, that Paul talks about. All of that is this, this new life language that we hold to, and we would say that's what's happening in, Re- in, in Revelation, which, is, is which then, as we see here, is they will be priests of God in Christ. And what, what, what brings us into the priesthood? It is regeneration, <laughs> right? Right. Which is accompanied with justification and adoption, uh, and right. and um, and sanctification, and and ultimately the you know glorification and so forth. And so all those things that we talked about in in these doctrines of the Reformed faith in in, in previous episodes, we see that 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 there is this. Um, I go back to the, you know, the whole the notion of, we've talked about with Wesleyanism, you know, of this, you know, there, there is no, no neutral state. You're either dead or you're alive, right? right? Yeah. And when we've been made alive, this, it's important to understand who we are in Christ. And, and one of the important things to understand who we are in Christ is we are now priests. Mm-hmm. We are priests, and, and what does it mean for us to be serving in the temple of God? Uh, which is another way of talking about the body of Christ in the church. It's right? Romans twelve one, yes, right? Which says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, right, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, yeah. holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship. worship. Right, yes. And, and so, uh, which again is so... Um, so complementary to the to the language that that Peter uses, right? Of of sacrifice, right? And and in in the priesthood, and and so forth as well. So so we we tie all these things together from Paul and Peter and Revelation and even the Gospel of of John. You know, to to say that uh, as we encourage people to be rooted and grounded in their faith here on the Planet Podcast, according to the scriptures, because we believe in the Sola Scriptura, right, as the authority from which we get all these things, that you, in order to be growing, for all of us to be growing, we need to be in the Word of God, we need to constantly be before His presence in prayer, right, uh, and and we need to be letting that flow out into our life of imitation of Christ, where we are taking up our cross daily, where we are serving the Lord, where we are proclaiming the good news, where we're living the good news, and we are helping one another do this. 
So we need to be in relationship with other priests, yeah. you know, right. to to encourage one another in this. That this is the life of faith, is a life of worship. And when we say that, it's not just singing songs, right. brothers and sisters, right. right? It's that whole life worship yeah. of presenting our bodies as living uh, sacrifices. Uh, I'm right? here to tell you, you guys can't see me right now, but I keep <laughs> hopping up out of my chair, and I'm going to do a leg kick here in a second. But I mean, it's almost like you're you're reading my notes as yeah. we're looking through here because. Um, in Hebrews, after it just got through all the amazing stuff, talking about Jesus Christ as our um, high priestly king, and then in Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Through Christ, that is through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Mm. That's our praise. And you said it. It's, conti- it's a continual thing. Right. You know, that's a life of worship. Yeah. That's what, that's the sacrifice of praise. It's, it's worshiping. It's not a, um, it's not a painful sacrifice because Christ took care of all that, right? Now right. it's a, now it's a sacrifice of worship. Yes. And so how, how do we daily improve our worship? Well, I think we start with biblical truth. I've been working on this little diagram of, uh, of, of what I'm calling like the discipleship circles we have We've been working on these three circles, way to share our faith through these the three mm. circles of evangelism, yeah, right. and I kind of came up with this three circles of discipleship. I'm, I'm in process of working this out, but it's it's kind of this learning cycle, this discipleship cycle that we get into of how do we grow. It, it basically it's what I'm thinking of how do we um, follow Christ? How do we? It's the sanctification process. What are we doing to work out our salvation with fear and trembling daily? And I and I say it always. We always need to start with biblical truth. We start with the gospel itself, which brings us to Christ, right? Um, and and um, which we put our faith in. But then we're always going back to biblical truth from the because that's God's design for us. That's that's why we're going to grow. If we want to grow up in the new man and the new person, this resurrection life that we're living, right. right? We need to know biblical truth, and as we do, we then have to apply that to our life. And it's, it's, that's the biblical act of worship. So we're applying biblical truth in worship every day, whether it's, whether it's applying it to my work life as my, in my job, right? And so if you're, if you're operating your business or serving in a business as an employee, uh, if you're doing it faithfully, you're applying the word of God to whatever God has put, asked you to put your hands to that day. That's worship. That's the daily sacrifice of worship. I'm applying biblical truth to whatever it is. It's in your home as a father or mother or child, um, grandparent, whatever. In the home, you're applying biblical truth to your life, whatever you're setting your hands to that day in that in those relationships, you're worshiping. Yeah, we I think we call that like a vocation. What's yes, your vocation? It's exactly. taking Christ into whatever element you're, exactly. in, you're working in. Right. And so then out of that worship, out of that daily giving over, what we're to be doing is we're to be bearing fruit. That 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 bears fruit, mm-hmm. and and sometimes that that's we're hopefully bearing good fruit, but we can also sometimes bear bad fruit that has to be cut off. You know, the, when we're not abiding in the vine, those branches are to be cut off. Yeah, pruning and, right? and, and pruned, right? <laughs> and that and that, how do we do that? Well, often the best place that's done is in community. 
And so I, I may ask that. I'm like, you know, I, I was trying to follow Jesus here in this situation, and this is what I tried. And I, was that good or bad? You know, and, and so I, I have my brothers and sisters in Christ who admonish me with the truth of God in community. And then, and then sometimes what that leads to within community, as we talk about our life and as we live life together and we talk about our life of worship, I can get affirmation and encouragement. Yes, you did the right thing there. Or sometimes I can get um, a, a admonishment that says, well, maybe, you know, I don't know that you did the right. Maybe this is the better path here according to the word of God. And so sometimes it leads to confession and repentance, right? That goes, that takes us back to the biblical truth and says, okay, I need to relook at this and I need to see what God's word says and I need to start applying it right. maybe differently. Sure. And that's that process of growth where we're constantly going through that circle within of applying biblical truth to our whole life of worship and and seeing how it plays out in community. Is that bearing good fruit or not? And then maybe I, I affirm that and I continue that, or maybe I confess and, and repent and say, no, I'm going to change my way. My way. And, and it's that constant process that, that we're going to continue to do throughout our life. Um, but it always, what I, it, 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 but it is rooted in, Biblical truth that's applied in our life of worship and, and then processed in community uh, to help us see, are we, are we living this out well or aren't we? And, and that's the, the, I think that's how we function together as the priesthood of believers. Right, and also included with the, the scriptures, the reading of scriptures, is um, the prayer our prayer mm-hmm. and meditation on the scriptures. Yes, right? so exactly. That, that, That's part of that application right. is we wrestle with that. And we, we wrestle with it individually, but also then communally. We, we pray together over those things too. And within that, the church, the function of the church, of those marks of the church, that we, as we do that together, the, the leadership of the church and, and the elders and, and so forth come in together and we remind, we preach the gospel we remind, and we remind each other of of the grace that we have through the sacraments and the preaching of the word and the exercising of discipline and all those things that we that we are all growing together and all of this should always be centered on Christ right that's the and that's the that's the part that i think were was also one of the key things of of the reformation that there are other things that sometimes distracted people from that whether it be the the prominence of the priesthood or sometimes the the you know the praying to saints or or to mary or things that there there became other mediators right the priesthood or the saints or mary that was somehow mediating the grace of god as opposed to just christ alone right yeah sure well this is uh we're we're closing off our third season mm-hmm. of this planet podcast and uh, maybe we'll fit one more in before we start the new year and begin session 4 uh, do you have any thoughts on what we might talk about next, or is this something that we'll just leave and and, and see what we can um, come up with, and we'll make an announcement? Hey, I think we'll need to make an announcement. I think we do need to pray and consider what what we want to do from from season four uh, more, and and maybe and, and I just want to encourage our listeners. We've talked about having show notes, and I think my email or things have been there. I'll make sure so, I put that back in there. Yeah, put, yeah, put that back in there. That, so if you have questions or um, about any things, we we could always do a question and answer episode. You know, to, to, with related to any of our three seasons, if you want. But I'm especially thinking this season that there will be a lot of questions over some of these reform doctrines. If you have them, you can write in and do that. But then also, if there's some things that out of our discussions, you're like this will, you know. So you, I'm willing to take suggestions on what season four can be about too. So absolutely. And don't feel like any question is a so-called dumb question, right? Right. Because we all need clarification on 
uncertain topics. And so that's important to, to get it right. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, it was a uh, good hanging with you and, yeah. and I think you're cheating reading my notes or I'm, <laughs> or I'm cheating on yours, but it's kind of funny cause we don't, we don't discuss this before our, our typical Yeah. We just got to give the topic and then we do some, do our own study together and then come together. And so. it's good. It means that we um, are probably on the right path if, uh, if I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> with it's, the affirming, it's affirming to know that we are, you know, seeing, seeing things very similarly. It's an affirmation of, of the, of the body of Christ. So great. Thanks that. All right. Have a blessed day, everybody. We look forward to our next topic as we continue to be refined by the pure truth of God's Word. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.